Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. I'm on iTunes. I'm on AllThingsComedy.com. You could donate at JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com. You can buy merch, T-shirts and CDs and whatnot, and also see where I'm doing stand-up comedy. And I have an ad this episode. So I say, let's get into it right after the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song. He will sing his lyrics to the Mexican hat dance at the end of this episode. Patrick Brady will fix this audio. Thank God. And Vilmos does my website, JackieCation.com. And now, the ad. Hello, Rangers. I was sent an awesome set of sheets from ParachuteHome.com. And so I'm going to do an ad about it because they sent me some awesome sheets. And I love I love sheets, quite honestly. ParachuteHome.com is an online bedding company from Venice, California, uh, right here in the Los Angeles area. They have 100% long staple Egyptian cotton bedding, my favorite kind of bedding, quite honestly, because that whole, you remember when the thread count was a scam? I read an article is that it can only go up to 450 thread count and then they're doing a crosshatch and then it just, it isn't quite as soft anymore. So these are great sheets, you guys. They really are. They're milled in Tuscany. They've been milling sheets for 80 years in Tuscany and they parachute home. They ship it right to your door. So it cuts out the middleman. They're a lot cheaper than equally fancy sheets that have to go through some sort of weird middleman. I spent a bunch of money one time on some sweet sheets, and they're great, but these are just as good, and they're about $150 less for the set of sheets. And when I say a set of sheets, I'm talking about a fitted sheet, full size, by the way. Andy and I do it some cuddling. A full size sheet, a flat sheet, and two pillowcases. They were like a million dollars, and... They were great. They are great. They're beautiful sheets. I love them a lot. These are just as great. And you can get a deal from the Dork Forest. If you go to parachutehome.com slash dork, you get $25 off your first order. That's right. And uh, it's exciting. Uh, I'm a sleeper because I do stand up. Uh, I like to get somewhere between eight and 13 hours of sleep a night. So Anoma sheets, you guys. And these are super, they're soft, but they're not weirdly fuzzy. They're just cotton, soft, super cozy, parachutehome.com. They asked me to weigh in 40% of Americans, I guess, sleep without a top sheet. And what do I think of that? I'll tell you what I think of that. I think they're animals. I think that they're animals and it isn't okay because we didn't have a top sheet when I was a kid, but I uh, lived a different life when I was a child. Uh, I don't know why we didn't have top sheets. But uh, I recommend a top sheet, especially in a warm climate where you're just going to want to use the top sheet. Other than that, I went to their website to see if I could, if it was easy to order. It is. It is easy to order. Uh, the color I picked was slate, just so you know. They're a local company here in Los Angeles. And they also, they are a good company. They give back. They partnered with the UN Foundation's Nothing But Nets campaign. So they donate to provide malaria prevention bed nets all around the world. So they're good people. They make a heck of a nice sheet, and you can get $25 off on your first order if you go to parachutehome.com slash dork. There it is. Let us start the show.
Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room with David Keckner. Welcome uh, to the program, David. Kechner. Thanks for having me. It's it's the Dork Forest. It took two years for us. Yes, to, it did. To us finally. I think it might be two plus. I didn't check exactly that email link right. or thread, but it was yeah. It was a long time. But was, as I said, it it often takes me or us two years to have dinner with people. Right, right. You well, you have a large, large, sprawling family right. of uh, of many Kecknerts. We got five kids. Five kids that will go out into the world yep. and make more. Oh boy! Oh boy! How many boys? How many girls? Actually, uh, two boys, three girls. Oh wow! Yeah. And how does it break down? The oldest. Charlie's boy? the oldest. Okay. And uh, that's a boy. Margot <laughs> is the next. Charlie's sixteen. Okay. Margot's thirteen. Twins, Sergeant and Audrey, are nine, and Eve is four. Wow! Mm-hmm. Twins. That'll mm-hmm. do it. Yep. That'll that that that'll add to the to the numbers. The quick. chaos. Yeah, but I like that it was a boy and a girl, and then you're like, we're just gonna keep. It actually went boy girl. Yeah. Boy girl. Boy girl. Within two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So people, uh, David Keckner, you know him from a, a song and story, but uh, you can go to at David Keckner uh, for Twitter, which is K O E C H N E R, and then it's just davidkechner.com. A uh, stand-up comic, a uh, hilarious uh, actor guy, you know these things. People do. People know your work, is what I'm saying. Yeah, they know, they know my face. They know your. You're face. right. They know my work. They they have they struggle with my last name, and I'm, my, my guess is people struggle with your last name too. All the time. All and, the time. Yeah. And it's I always I never cared. Of course, you know when you just start in show business, you don't know. Right. And until years later, it's like oh, I should have just rectified that. Either just changed it. Right. To K E S H N E R. Keschner, which is more in line with the German, or right. just made it K E C K N E R. Because people, they just get, they get K O E and then they punt. Oh, that, that's it. Is it, it is German though. It is German, but right. I'm not German. My grandfather was adopted. Okay. And so Did he was. Did you do a DNA thing and find out what you were? N- well, we, th- we traced it back to a, you know, an orphanage in, in New York. Okay. And we don't know if, um, it was a, a single mother or if it was a broken family. Let's see. He was not, he was not a newborn. Okay. I just talked to my sisters about this because we used, recently had a family vacation. He was a couple years old. Okay. You know, he wasn't brand new. And right. so we don't know of a, of a situation where he was there at the orphanage for years. Right. Or if the, if the mother finally had to just get rid of him, it was, you know, just past the turn of the century. Right. Okay. And, and then he was either a Williams or a Howard. And we don't know if that was father, mother, whatever. Oh, that was on the paperwork. Yes. Okay. But you can tell by the pallor of my skin. Yes. That very, I'm Irish. My mother. Translucent. Translucent. Yes. 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 My mother uh, was a Downey. Okay. And, her last name was Downey. Mm-hmm. Okay. And her mother was an O'Connor. Okay. That's full Irish on that side. And I, I suspect that maybe it was a Williams on my uh, grandfather's side, right. which would make it further Anglican well, the, well, or Anglo. Well, I think it's that, it's that, uh, it's that Muttley of, of Northern European or Northern Ira- uh, British Isles kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Andy Ashcraft, my fella, uh, he's, uh, he's a big, uh, Muttley guy. If you asked him what his ancestry was, he would say, well, we're from Mississippi. Right. And, uh, you're like, well, that, what about before then? He was like, well, it's been a long time, but yep. I believe it's Welsh and Irish and Brit, you know, English and. I love that the, the, the provincial attitude from the South. It's, that's it's where I'm from. It's entirely the South. Yep. You don't need to know anything more than. I, we're yep. from Mississippi? Yeah. When he told me that, I was like, 
okay, I'm Armenian, and then on the other side, I'm Irish and Norwegian. Yeah. And but I'm from Wisconsin, and there's a lot of Germans and a lot of Swedes and yeah. and, and a lot of you know that. Yes, but, everywhere. Yeah, but in but it is a very southern thing. I've I've been dipped. I've been dipped in some southern culture mm-hmm. because both of, his entire family is from this small town in outside of Tupelo. Yeah. Wow, how small. Um, not as small as that little town in Missouri you're from, Tipton. but Tipton, um, it's called New Albany. Mm-hmm. I don't know how big it is, but it's got one espresso machine. A lot of people left Albany and said, this isn't it. Nope. <laughs> no, we gotta, we gotta size down. We're gonna downsize. Yeah. Let's go to New Albany. First of all, and I don't want to be disparaging to your no. listeners that might be from Mississippi, but you know, to say, to declare you're from Mississippi is something you never have to do. No, no, a lot of people. Maybe it's something you should just keep to yourself. <laughs> That's not nice. You know, his, uh, his young cousin who we, uh, he joined the Marines. Uh, to get out of New Albany, but now has a lot of nostalgia for New Albany. Is that right? Yeah. What's funny about, about young Andrew is, uh, he joined the Marines and he had joined the Marines and his mom, his mama said to me, well, you've been over to Iraq. Why don't you should tell him to not, uh, to join the Marines? And I said, well, has he signed the papers? And she goes, yeah. And I said, too late, too, too late. late, my friend. And I, and I turned to him and I said, you know what my dad always told my brothers is that you can join the service, but you know, you can also just leave. <laughs> you can there's, there's always, you can leave the house. You can just you can leave town. You can go get a job yeah. shoveling sand for two fifty an hour anywhere in the world. You don't need to join the service to do it. And my dad had joined the service. And yeah. He was in the navy and the marines and all this. Let's stuff. see what year was your dad in the service? Oh, he my father is a genius of timing. He was in from I believe it was fifty four to sixty. That's when my dad was there. He missed everything. Yep, right after Korea. And my right dad. So my Vietnam. our parents were probably. Roughly yep. the same age. Yep. And so, yeah, he, that's just a matter of course. That's what you did. He, he wasn't drafted. Nope. But that's what all of, he's from a family of nine. And right. there were five boys. And so oh, okay. every one of them, except the last one, joined the service. What did his, the youngest do? Oh, the, uh, the war was over. It was before Vietnam. And okay. he just worked on the farm. And then he, and then know, he just got did, a yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. My dad joined because he got my mom pregnant. Wow. And he was uh, the only child. He was an only child, and uh, and then he had six kids. Okay, so did we. I'm the youngest of six. I'm the third of six. There you go. There you go. And but he was so funny about my dad because he heard about Vietnam, and that's when he didn't re up. As my father has always said, he said, "I'd rather be called a coward than an idiot." Wow. He was a medic, and he said, "Were they pressuring him to stick around for another four years?" They they knew he had at the time he had four kids uh-huh. and they were wow. like well you should probably stay with your kids and he was like I should probably stay with my kids yeah so he's in 1960 we had yeah. not we were only funding the French at the time right but he had heard about like because he was in the Marines mm-hmm. and he oh, had there heard were about forward, a, yep. yeah there were a bunch advisors. of advisors advisors who were shooting at people and being shot at boy we wanted in that war so badly so badly. we had to make up an excuse to get in because we're did you hit me bro did you push me. <laughs> You pushed me. He's like, it's no, no, we didn't push you. Yeah. Unbelievable. It was, yeah, it's completely insane. So let's talk briefly about yes. the David Koechner Dorknum, okay. which kind of leads into it a little bit because you like nonfiction. You like kind I of. I do like nonfiction. It's, it's cause I, in my opinion, people read either fiction or nonfiction. Shorts, mm-hmm. in, if you like fiction, it's short stories or novels. And if you like nonfiction, sometimes you can get into short fiction. Do you ever read? Uh, short fiction. When it's fiction, I love short stories. Yeah. And if any, anybody can help me with this, there was a compilation, uh, there's something I'm still searching for to this day. It's a compilation when I was in sixth grade, uh, uh, of fiction. And I can't remember, I, I've looked and looked and looked, Kurt Vonnegut or, um. Might be Vonnegut, it might be Heinlein, it might be. Um, gosh darn it. Help me yeah, with yeah. Vonnegut or. Uh, Gibson? 
Uh, William Gibson, uh, Vonnegut, there's Robert Heinlein. No, the other famous science fiction writer. Okay, from Vonnegut era? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, I'm sorry. It's, that's okay. What is it? Uh, what kind who, of stuff? Who wrote uh, uh, Harrison Bergeron? Was that Vonnegut? I, oh, I think anyway, so. That sounds it was, right. It, it wasn't them that wrote it, but it was a compilation of short stories of American fiction. Yeah. And there was uh, a short story about a guy who was a mild, meek accountant with a very stern wife. And he always, every night, he would go to the bar or gin mill of some kind. Okay. And play piano. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a place where he could witness this life that his he and his Christian wife would never allow okay. uh, them to go. Turns out he had tons of money saved, oh. but he didn't want to tell his wife because he loved going, playing a piano at right. this bar. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've looked and looked and looked. I can't find that compilation, and I don't know that story. I've looked under Gin Mill. I looked under the piano, all kinds of things. I've looked for Vonnegut, Vonnegut in compilations. Right, right. So, okay, so, uh, there's... Vonnegut wrote Harrison Bergeron. Yes. That's why, that's what I was trying that, to think Yes. About. And, and, uh, Todd Mason or Mary Ellen, forgetting your last name, sorry, who's a librarian who listens to the show, somebody email me, uh, Jackie at JackieCation.com. I'm awesome. sure you're yelling at your iPod right now. Another story in this compilation yeah. was The Contender, which was about a, a young African American boxer mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. ended up going wrong. I don't think it was James Baldwin. I don't think it was a Baldwin short story, but I, uh, that was among the things in this yeah. compilation. Okay, so I almost look want to for go that. back to my grade school in that sixth grade classroom. And go, Where is it? Where is it? I know you're still reading the same books. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that. Oh, I'm sure they are. Because I, it was such a fascinating short story, and I remember loving it so much, and I can't remember the name of it because details always escape me. Right. But I thought that short story is one you could turn into a movie. Right. Well, you know, and and that's. Do you ever do that? I mean, I do that ever since moving here. You read things and go, well, why isn't that a film? Right. It's. I have said it before on this program, but there is a great. Uh, it's a trilogy, but only the first one needs to be. It'd be it. It would be bigger than Blade Runner. I don't know if that's true, but it was called uh, When Gravity Fails. And who wrote that? Uh, one? George Alec Effinger. Okay. And it is essentially uh, it's a hard boiled noir mystery novel set in a futuristic Mumbai in the red light district. Oh my gosh! Which is now Muslim? Yeah, which is and and everyone's Muslim, lapsed Muslim wow. or devout Muslim, but super awesome. And it's, it's a cool story. It is a cool story, but uh, you know, in today's climate, you know, you think about the recent uh, attack on Sony, right? Perhaps because of the interview. Oh, right. Can you imagine the outrage in the Muslim world Wait a if they were to? I've, I've spaced the the the. What was the interview? I oh, uh, Seth Rogen. Okay. Oh, right. yeah. oh, the movie, the interview. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And, and if, if you were to suggest that a future Muslim world included a red light district, yes. which I'm sure there exists anyway, it's just so. Oh, it's far. everywhere. Yes, of yeah. course, of yeah. course. Well, there was, you know, when I was, uh, uh, when I was in Iraq, we stayed at, uh, and I was just performing for the troops, right? So we were staying in Baghdad at mm-hmm. the uh, in one, Baghdad. Yeah. In his, uh, in, in Saddam his, Hussein's no. compound, we stayed at his guest house. And, uh, You've already covered this on your show. No. Oh, okay. okay. Come on. But, but, All right. You thought you were going to interview me. Well, Hold I on. know. What the hell just happened? We're no, 11 no, minutes but, in. But, but, but wait, okay, so, wait, 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 wait. That's fascinating. What year did you do it? Well, it was in 2009. Holy I think. shit. We're so, still in oh, the was, thick of it. We, it was, it was a, it was a dumb year to go, but I went with Scott Kennedy. Remember Scott Kennedy? He wore FUBU, uh, jerseys and, he was a big guy, but he was gay, and uh, and he was a comic. He hung out at the Improv a lot, drank a lot of whiskey. Good egg. Passed away about Did two he? years ago. But he went, he brought comics, two different comics, every month for 42 
uh, I think it was uh, 42 weeks in a row. God bless him. Yeah, God bless him. And he would take people to forward operating bases and what? whatever JSS stands for. Yeah, he was like, the only reason I went was because he went every month. Wow. And he knew who to call if there was trouble. Yeah. So I... Well, good yeah. Lord. So I'm recently married, right? And I was like, I don't know how to not do this. And Andy's like... Be great if you called every day. Yeah, and uh, so I and, got I got asked to yeah. go several times. Yeah, and not even to Iraq, but I said no every time because because you, know, you have a huge yeah, family and a just, big I, responsibility. I can't, yeah, yeah. So wait a minute. Okay, You're, so we stayed at the guest house, mm-hmm. and the guest house was attached to his sort of castley compound thing. Several things about Saddam Hussein that uh, that even the Iraqis would say. Well, this was good that it wasn't there. I mean, granted, a hundred thousand dead later. Right. No, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know how, you know, what, 2020 hindsight, whatever. But he had diverted most of the drinking water to create these ponds. You're kidding. Yeah. To make this, cause there is a, a part of the Muslim faith in, in Islam. You can, you can get someone to tell you. You can mm-hmm. get an imam to tell you that, uh, that if bad things happen surrounded by water, Allah doesn't care. Are you kidding? So there was like a whorehouse in the middle of this pond. His mother-in-law was in the middle of this pond, or his mom. I forget. There was like things, there were horrible buildings in the middle of these different uh, ponds. Wow. And, um, you know, the, the whorehouse was, there were, they were very young, young girls, oh. and it was bad. So it was, but you would... So there are definitely red light districts. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are definitely right. people. People are getting laid. It turns out Muslims are getting laid. Yeah. Uh, even in very strict Islamic countries right. where they're not supposed to drink and they're not supposed to smoke and they're not supposed to do things. Right. I think they can smoke. But um, but the but the, things are happening. Um, how was it sleeping over there? What's it was. It? it was. Well, it was scary just because I, you know, I'm not super. I don't have. I don't have. I'm not particularly c- courageous, but. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm not that twitchy, mm-hmm. and because of of Scott Kennedy, it was I knew that he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But we get there, and it's all dust storms. It's the first oh, week of July. Yeah, those are supposed to be. Yeah, it's the first week of July, which it was genuinely 121 degrees. You couldn't. It was hard to breathe uh, in Kuwait when we landed because you'd fly commercial to Kuwait right. and then you'd uh, fly military from Kuwait to Baghdad. And the we tried to fly into Baghdad, but it was there was a dust storm, so we had to turn around. But in that first, wait, you tried to fly where from from Kuwait to? Baghdad. You're in the military plane. What kind of plane? It was like a, it was one of those uh, cargo. Tr- yeah, troop. Plane. Oh my it was god, a troop plane. And they were like, oh, it's too it's too windy, so we're going back to Kuwait. So. Windy or too too much of a sandstorm? It was a sandstorm. Did you th- see it from your plane? I couldn't. I didn't see it. There's too, no Because we were above the... Well, there was... No, I was in the cockpit. <gasps> it was awesome. I was... It was awesome. I was in the cockpit, and they were... They were... They... The, the pilots drank these tiny little kind of Red Bull things that I... I drink uh, pots of coffee a day. And the the pilots are like, you want to try that? They're great. The enlisted guys are always trying to get us to give them. Because if you join the service, by the way, I would recommend this if you're thinking of joining the service, Air Force, way to go. Yeah. They got all the air conditioning. They have uh, they have uh, ice cream machines. It's great. Take care of the pilots. Uh, yeah, they take care of. Yeah. Was it uh, was different than what we know of a five hour energy drink? It's it's something else. What it's you're something describing. Something else. Those five hour energy drinks are only three ounces. This thing was like eight ounces or six ounces, and it was a soda. But it was an orange, and it was, I was just tripping. Yeah. I was buzzing like a crazy person. I wouldn't have another. 
You wouldn't and ever. No, no, I would not. I it, don't even. Are you a Red Bull drinker? I don't drink Red Bull I don't or even, any of yeah, that that's stuff not either. for me. I don't think, I think there was a window when it's sort of a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Like if you missed out on your, like I think I drank Zima's. Yeah. And uh, that was that was more the shitty drink of my youth. Mm-hmm. So whatever. But um, but these pilots are drinking it for what reason? To stay to, energized or? To stay up because they unfortunately, they're, they're flying too much. So wait a minute. Now you're in a plane, a military plane flying yep. into Iraq, heading into a sandstorm. And the the by by the mere fact that these pilots are offering you this drink, you know that they're on it and they are fatigued. Right. They very easily could be fatigued, but they all seem good. So there's you know there's two pilots and then there's a navigation guy and then there's a kid that keeps running. He's sort of a PA, just keeps running back and forth bringing him stuff. And then Scott and the other comic who was Nate Bargatze. Okay. Remember that guy? Okay. He's well, a, good, me- a very funny comic. I anyway. mean, remember that guy is. Have you have you met that guy? I know I haven't. Oh yeah. Okay. So you said remember like oh, it's right, past. Oh, like no. he passed away as well. No. Nope. Nate Bargatze, okay. good egg. Great uh, guy. Still working. And uh, so, but they were down in the in the belly of the the ship with the the, the plane. Why with did the you troops. Why did you get the cockpit? Because they they let because okay so we because you're back. a lady just because I was a lady I got to go first and then uh, the other thing I got was I got my own uh, tent right. when we were in the forward operating base Wait a I got minute. the VIP tents. What are you talking about? Because you went to the forward operating area. Yeah, yeah. Because we, and we couldn't fly anywhere. We were supposed to fly in these em, um these uh helicopters, right? No. And the troop transport helicopters. No, the 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 the, the fighter ones. Yeah, the fighter ones. The, but, I, I said the fighter ones. Yeah, Very we don't masculine. know. We don't the Blackhawks. That's it. I think they were Blackhawks. Good and lord. And that's one of the reasons I went too, because I wanted to fly in a Blackhawk. Are Hawk. you crazy? But those are a target. Right, but they would not. I don't know. Anyway, so, but I, I've never flown in a helicopter. Have you ever flown in a helicopter? Yes. Was yeah. it neat? It was neat, and um, I will, I will, yes. Although once For it why? was, but well, a couple times. Well, you didn't do the Grand Canyon one, did you? No. Although, I will never do that. Here's what it scared. was. It was Talladega Nights. And, um, right on. we were, we were, let's see, I drove there with Ian Roberts and Jack McBrayer, and it took several hours from where we were staying. Cause that's in Alabama, which is next to Mississippi. Right. Shout out to Mississippi. Yeah. Gulf coast. Uh, we hope it's getting better. Um, and so drove there, Will had choppered in, okay. Will and Adam McKay and their manager, uh, uh, had choppered in. I driven it, took several hours. We got a police escort once we got close. I forget if we were we flew from somewhere and then we, we choppered, we drove to Talladega. Okay. So go there. Now on the way back, the choice was truck back out or yep. hey, Keckner, we've got an extra seat on the chopper. And that's yes. a pretty big one. So it's me, Will, uh, uh, Adams, Adam McKay, Adams, Adams McCabe's and yep. <laughs> Jim Miller. And then Michael Clark Duncan was going to come with us. Yeah. And then myself. And God rest Michael. Uh, but. Was he? Huh? He's passed. Oh my God. Yes. All right. But once we we're about to get on in the chopper. Yeah. He, he, he got in and then got out and said no. Oh, okay. And I so was like, kinda... that's not fair. Yeah. You can't. Cause now they have to drive you, you somewhere fancy. And... Well, no, no. Cause you can't buddy holly me. Oh, there you go. You can't <laughs> say yes. And then you're the guy that said no. And you're going to live. And then, yeah, yeah. It's like, wait. And that, that put me, that gave me a great deal of unease. Uh, so, but then we were chopping, like, so four seats in the back and two seats in the front. And, um, but it was fine. Possibly but too dark. But it was dark. A, a bit harrowing. Right. It's, well, and it was, was it open doored? No, no, no. No, no, closed door. Was your Blackhawk open doored? We didn't get to fly Blackhawks. Okay. We had to drive. 
through Iraq Mm -mm. in Humvees, Uh -uh. in like these MRAP things, these mine-resistant armored personnel vehicles. Yeah, yeah. And we got lost. And I do. They don't, they don't have GPS? Well, the hilarious thing is, and this is a true story, I tell it in my act, but the, the navigation guy, this guy Munoz, the, the, I found out we were lost because we were all on headphones, head, uh, ear, whatever, and, uh, and he goes, uh, the sergeant says, why, why are we lost, Munoz? Why are we lost? And Munoz, because everyone's hilarious in a war zone, said, this is where MapQuest sent us, Sarge. No. Funny stuff. Funny stuff, Munoz. Are you wearing body armor? I am. I'm wearing a. Oh uh, I'm wearing a, a, a Kevlar thing, and Just, a helmet. Oh my god! But uh, and then shorts. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's 120. Because it's 120. Even in the MRAP, which was air conditioned, it was still an, an 85, 90 degrees. Good and lord! So and it was. You're cracking jokes all the way because that's your job. Well, and it was the driver guy, the the Munoz, the navigator guy. There was a kid sticking out the blowhole. No, with a on, it, a right? gunner, a gunner dude. Wow! And then there's I'm in the I'm in the truck with Scott. There's videos on my YouTube page of of me shooting us driving through Baghdad and inside the MRAP. How many kills? Uh, I didn't get any kills. No okay. kills. Uh, but every I mean, like literally, there was it was it was scary like when we were we were on the hump of this irrigation ditch mm-hmm. and Iraqis we would drive by them and they would point and go how the hell did they get up there we don't even know how we and then Munoz had to get out of the truck at one point and direct us over a and he genuinely he goes that's where the bad guys are oh my gosh and but the, and and I tell the story but it's it's you know in um when you work at a restaurant and mm-hmm. someone throws up in the bathroom or, mm-hmm. the, or the club, mm-hmm. right? And then the manager comes out and everyone freezes and he picks someone and then that person goes, fuck, yeah. and grabs a mop and a bucket and right. goes, cleans it up. So the sergeant on the headphones goes, someone has to get out of this truck and direct us over this dirt bridge. And all I, we were in a three MRAP convoy and I swear to God, I could hear the silence from the other two MRAPs. Wow. But the uh, silence over the phone, everyone just froze. That was the worst part. Yeah. And we, I was in the front one. And he goes, uh, Munoz, it has to be you because you're the only one who has a door. So he gets out and he directs us over the thing. And, uh, but he had to get out three times. Wow. And he did it every time. And that was when I realized that, uh, being in the army was a job, a shitty day job. Oh my God. And, uh, and crazy. where were your, where were your gigs? The, uh, they were, uh, outside of, it was right after we said that we were, uh, pulling out of Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And we did. We pulled out of Baghdad and built uh, all kinds of nonsense right outside of Baghdad. Mm-hmm. So it was just a political move to say, "See, we're retreating. We're we're giving the the, the city back to the, their people." Right. And we were, but it was very, you know, it was just one step in the right. But we built a Pentagon there. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a uh, it's our embassy. Yeah. But it's it's huge and multi fortified, right? Yeah, it's a it's, it's a giant fort, and it's but it was. Yeah, I was, I was it's, thinking. It's much like the Wild West when we would go out there and build these stick forts. Right. In Indian territory, Native American territory. Right. Indigenous right. territory. Right. And which is exactly what, that's what empires do. Yes. We go to, we go to places that aren't ours and we build outposts. Boy, we are spoiling for a fall. We, well, you know, I, I've, 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 I've often thought this. Do you think, you know, during the fall of Rome, mm-hmm. That everyone was sitting around comparing the fall of Rome, thinking, you know, I wonder if uh, back when uh, Egypt was falling, if mm-hmm. they all knew that it was it was the end. Yeah. Because I think you know when things are in decline. Yep. You know that it's not. Well, uh, Rome was death by a thousand cuts. 
Oh. It was a bunch of dogs biting everywhere and they just couldn't do it. They, they expanded too gotta, far, but we've done the same thing. It's just, it's got, yes. that's the only way to get rid of an empire. We, we have standing armies everywhere. There are 10,000 American soldiers in the world. About, no, no, no. Oh, many, many different places. I don't know if we still oh, have. different 10,000? Yes. Oh my God. We used to have 10,000 in Germany. I'm not working those gigs. Yeah, right? No, right? I know, you know, we have a huge contingent in Japan. A okay. huge contingent in oh, uh, right. North Korea. Not, yep. I'm sorry, South Korea. A huge contingent in, I think we used to, I'm sure we have 10,000 men in, in Europe. All over Europe. And I'm I sure. remember taking a class, like a poli-sci class in college, and they said, you know, the reason we have 10,000 men here or there, that's not to defend anything. It's to give us the excuse to go in. Right. It's to protect that soil for a, a minute till we get everybody else there. Because yeah. if you take one of my pawns, yeah. now, that, now we're at war. Well, and now, this is this is. I was talking uh, with the, with Andy about this because the ISIS or ISIL, mm-hmm. or whatever the mm-hmm. the the group mm-hmm. that keeps they're doing, they're very much doing conquering mm-hmm. in an old school kind of Genghis Khan kind of way. Genghis Khan, Visigoth. Yeah. Yes. Because the way we take over things is we just build a fort mm-hmm. and say that we're helping. Right. The way they're doing it is they're raising, they're just burning everything to the ground, and then they are rebuilding the water treatment plant. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, they're starting schools, but they're all super conservative. Indoctrination schools. Yeah, they're yeah. starting, a, you know, it's very much, it's exactly like the Romans. Yep. It's not like what... Tried what, and true. Right. It's so old school that everyone's like, well, it's a terrorist organization. I'm like, no, no, this... this I mean, I'm terrified. It's way that's the way it's done. That's the way it's always been done. Was it, this new this new way is new? Yeah, uh, but it's 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 the old way. Which what did who was it? The Huns or the Visigoths or the uh, um, uh, the Mongols? Possibly would, all would put the uh, heads of defeated uh, armies on spears, right? And and carry those into battle to sh- to strike fear into right whatever our army they're going up against, which is exactly what ISIL's doing. Beheading, right. laying around, yep, and, and getting and just pl- showing people the yes. heads and going, "This is what heads look like." Television Remember? is the tip of the spear. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, this is so what we'll do to you. It's just super creepy. Uh, backing up, mm-hmm. first of all, have you seen a show on PBS called Genealogy Roadshow? No, it is. The Wait, is that the one where Roadshow? Okay, but by the same people who did Antique Roadshow, but for regular people, uh-huh. they will look up your genealogy uh-huh. and they could trace you back to Genghis Khan. Well, and mine, I know where our, we've researched, we know where our stops. Obviously, my, my grandfather stops in New York. Did you do DNA too? No. Because they do DNA. Um, and they can bring it back to France in the 7th century. How far you want to go? Bring that beat back. Bring, exactly. How far you want to go back, brother? <laughs> I want to go back. Uh, I do too. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then we go back to Ireland on my mother's side. Right. But then in Ireland, the, the church, the records were kept in the, in churches mm-hmm. and the church, uh, where, our ancestors' um, records were kept burned. Oh, fair enough. So, yep. So you know, that's how it happens. It's, it's fascinating how we have this desire to know. Right, right. And and Americans usually just want to go back to when we got here. Mm-hmm. And but other like when they did one, not not genealogy roadshow, but when they do them in other countries, people want to go back to you know where the pre like. You Lucy. Know, yeah, they want to go back to all yeah. of it. So, but um, and we're not talking about the television show, folks. If you don't, just Google Lucy. Lu- yeah, Lucy is the supposedly like the first the lady, oldest, right? Well, the, the oldest, oldest known skeleton. I think they recently found one a little bit older. It's nice that they didn't name her Eve, right? And uh, that's my youngest daughter's name. Oh, really? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, pretty. Yeah, that's nice. It's, let's talk about some of these uh, okay. these books you like yes. the Wright brothers. Mm-hmm. So uh, you 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 try to read too many books at once. Yes, I like to overwhelm myself. I sense that because we're like twenty five minutes in, and you've talked about nineteen things. So yeah. it's perfect. It's at it's, least I'm interested. Yep. And interesting. Well, all of it. That's so, arguable. Yeah. So, what are you reading right now, or trying to read? Well, you've got your list. I'm reading a, a, a I guess, a biography, essentially, of the Wright brothers. Okay. Um, uh, uh, McCullough is the uh, author. Author, and I, I loved his 1776. Uh, he narrates it wonderfully. Oh, is it audible? No, the one I'm, I'm oh, reading okay. is not an audible, but I probably should have made it because I, I really enjoy his narration yeah. and uh, I really enjoy his writing. Okay. So that's why I picked that one up and at he the had airport. One about 1776. Yes, it's fabulous, and that's one to listen to. I I love it. Okay. Um, he's got this really dry delivery, but it's just lyrical enough, and it's he's so you 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 tell there's such confidence and engagement in the way he's doing it. I loved it, and I I used to listen to it when my son Charlie, who's now 16, was in grade school and he would listen on the way to school yeah and he wouldn't demand to listen to all of it which is okay yep but uh years later somehow you know you you down accidentally oh i think i put it in the van accidentally you can oh it was do like, a, do a rotation a, yep. yeah and the kids had learned the first stanza of like the fifth or sixth chapter oh, and my it God. was uh it was this the troops were in good spirits and so <laughs> they all know because they then we go wait a minute wrong song wrong song wrong yep. yeah so uh, so that's why I picked up the Wright brothers because I find him a fascinating and engaging writer, and I love history, yeah, as well. And uh, what else is on the list? Well, so so seventeen seventy six yeah. was clearly just a, a history of sort of the the Revolutionary War. Okay, so yeah. and it, and and the start of it did it start before seventeen seventy six? Yes, and go through eighty one, or what did they do? Gosh, I can't remember. It's, um, uh, or did they just go through the Declaration of Independence? You know what? I can't remember. Oh, is that when the uh, war that, actually That's when the stopped. war actually ended. Yes, very yeah. good. Uh, then, the, yes, they do. He goes through the end of the war. Okay. Yes, and the mistakes. So it's essentially just an a anthology, a historical perspective of the war. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Mm-hmm. And personality-driven? That's my favorite kind of history. Oh, yeah. You, you get to learn all the major players and who, yeah. who the heroes were. And, you know, the, when you think about it, it's really remarkable when you think about these people who are part of a young nation yeah. who left their farms to fight for this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would go barefoot. Yeah. Uh, you're leaving your livelihood. I mean, how many of us today won't bother to do anything but check Twitter? That's it. I mean, that's our level of engagement. Are you kidding? Pick up a gun and fight for your country? Yeah. Thank God people do, like your your nephew. Yeah. But it, well, that's what I was going to tell you about mm-hmm. about him. By the way, is that he's he uh, he wanted to be a spy. He wanted to learn uh, Arabic and and go to Monterey and learn Arabic and and become a. He's in the Marines. He wanted to be a recon Marine wow. and 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 do all this stuff. And when he got out of boot camp. He was, he was, I said, so how do they, how's it coming? And he actually said, he said, the Mississippi public school system has not done me any oh. favors. He said, I'm in a, I'm in a recon group. Uh, I don't know if he's in a recon group, mm-hmm. but he said, I'm, I'm with kind of a spy or an intelligence group, but I drive the truck. Ah. And he said, it's a, it's a hard truck to drive. It's kind nice. of a fancy truck. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's Munoz. Yeah, he's Munoz. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that, 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 
anybody's willing. I mean, we're not even willing to go do sit-ins or marches and stuff exactly. like that anymore. I mean, when you think about it, the sit-in is a classic American kind of thing from mm-hmm. the 60s where a post-World War II kind of way of protesting something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to sit here. No, you're going to have to pull me away from this. And now anytime and that now a, we can't even do that. Any group that organizes gets all kinds of negative media attention. Occupy got nothing but negative media attention. Yeah, now Black Lives Matter yeah. uh, get all kinds of... It's astounding to me. For no reason. And then we just, no one says anything. We go, okay, you're going to, you're going to shut that one down. Okay, we're, we'll be fine with it. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, so Fox News or whoever those agents it's are. They haven't been able to destroy Move On from the, uh, I, Move On must be savvier than that. I guess, but I don't hear a lot from them. Oh, I'm on their mailing list. Uh, there's, they're, they're, Which is non-existent. They're, they're non-stop. I know. I, I had done scrubs. I got to tell you, I yeah. had to say no more. Yeah, yeah. Because it was three or four a day. Right. It was like, well. It isn't that many anymore. Like, it's, who's working over there? Are you guys bored? <laughs> I still subscribe to the Nation, so yeah. I get theirs. So I'll yeah, yeah I'll do I'll do friend, I'll do their bidding. A, a, fr- a friend of mine gave me a subscription to the Progressive, uh-huh. and I've never renewed it, and they keep sending it to me, and it's very beautiful. And uh, you know, you can, and the, the great thing is that they have comics writing uh, articles, like oh. Will Durst and uh, Kate Clinton. Wow. They both write uh, columns. That's for cool. It, and it's neat. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I, like I need any more reading material. Well, that's it. I mean, I've got books everywhere. I've got books in the bathroom. I'm also actually reading, uh, rereading the history of the San Fernando Valley, which I found fascinating. Oh, really? Yeah. And okay. there's a book I have that I haven't started, which is supposed to be one of the best biographies of a city, which is the city of Quartz, which is about Los Angeles, because I always like to know where I live. Okay. But at least the San Fernando Valley book uh, allowed me to identify the mountains that are around us, and I insist that my children no, know the mountains. Mountain like range you, is you don't even range? appreciate you these. No, you see the mountains, like oh yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no, those are mountains. There's mountain ranges. Right. They're going to help you know what direction you're going. And each one has a very specific place where it begins and ends and continues to. Right. Or it's a little geography why, lesson. Right. And that's why it's called the valley. And so, you know, they'll shut me out, but they're still listening <laughs> a little bit because right. I'm talking to them. Right. And you're their father. Yes. So, and, uh, yeah, my, my father would hold forth. And it's the only way you can really uh, pass on information right. is to hold forth at some point. Right. And the thing I'm, you, you know, um, cautious of is like is the the amount of technology and I, was it you and i that were talking about this talking about at the show the other night yeah we, we were talking about uh, uh gps yeah. and and uh, when we used when we start first got here you had to go through the um what's that oh book? the thomas guide the thomas guide were yeah. we talking about that no we no? weren't but i had a thomas guide remember? when i first moved here and the map it was a map book yes and you would go to either the next page would it would be it would be linear, it'd be horizontal, mm-hmm. or you would go vertical up and, and down, up and down, and you'd have to go up like forty five pages yes. to find the next down map. Yes, because the city was so big and it was so such a detailed map, and every year they'd come out with a new Thomas guide, yep. and it was forty dollars. Yep, and uh, so you could last on one Thomas guide for about four or five years. And those those pages got well worn and ratted, and you and, and you and you and, learned how to drive in Los Angeles. Yes. Now, uh, you know, my son's 16 is like, do you know where we are? Nope. Like, oh, he, then he looks up from his phone. Yep. While he's driving. While he's, I'm of course. kidding. Of course, I'm kidding. Okay. But, but that's the thing I, I, I'm, uh, you know, cautious or trepidatious about is that one satellite yeah. goes down and we can't get groceries anymore. Right. Well, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty devastating the amount of, 
it's the I travel so much and my head is inside my iPad because mm-hmm. I'm standing in one line after another line. I'm there for hours on end and it's really the only thing that's keeping me sane. Mm-hmm. It's it's books on tape and and reading books and being in my iPad. Mm-hmm. And I think about I, I don't have to develop any patience anymore right. because I can just weed off and it's, go in my own world. It's a pacifier. It's very we, we much. We self-soothe. It's, it's a fucking sippy cup. Yep, it is. Uh, it's the worst. Yep. I'll go here. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. I'm bored now. I'm going to yeah, play it's, the jewel. It's, it's incessant. It's nasty. And uh, what do we get done? And, you know, you really do have to start monitoring yourself. You know what Andy says about the GPS? He's like, because I, I have that. Even if I know where I'm going, I'll mm-hmm. sometimes have the ways on, right? Yep. And, uh, he's like, you should be out, out, uh, past the, the, uh, just looking at the signs and seeing where you are. And I'm like, well, the good thing about the ways and the, and the, and the map quest thing is that it tells me the name of the upcoming streets. And he goes, yeah, there's signs. Did you know mm-hmm. right outside the window? <laughs> yeah. There's a sign right there. <laughs> All in 3D and everything. Right. And you like, and I grew up when you had to have a, you had a bank of about 20 or 25 phone numbers that you could remember. Offhand. I can still the, remember some childhood friends. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. luckily my friends still live with their parents. Now I, I could not recite to you my, and this right. is a sad thing, my, my son and daughter's phone numbers. You can, oh, you don't even have theirs. I have them in my phone. Right. And I know it's, you know, I know the first six digits. Right. I know my wife's. Right. I know but, my husband's and I know my, and I know my sister's cell phone last four digits mm-hmm. because there's two other numbers in there. And I'm like, that's the cell phone. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it, it, if that thing goes down, we can't call each other. We yeah. don't know anything. Yeah. I want to do a bit about that. I'm not sure exactly where it goes, but it there's also, totally something there. also involves automatic towel dispensers, which bother me, which I think is predicated because there's some guy who's not qualified to fill paper, paper towels. <laughs> you know, that guy that puts them in too tight. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and so you, you can't get one out. So you have to pull seven out, which is yeah. a huge waste. Yep. So they said, okay, we can't find a person competent enough that we can pay a modicum amount of money who can properly fill a paper towel dispenser the right way so they keep unfolding out that we have to invest in technology that dispenses a paper towel to you right in their in, in their desired length I think I think it's more germaphobe. Well, someone can't I know, but someone it's, can't steal that bit because I'm going to write it. Don't steal that bit because yeah. that's going to be a good one. But what I what you know with the with the Purell mm-hmm. and the ridiculous and you you don't touch the water, you don't touch the the handle dispenser, you don't touch anything. And I'm building an immune system myself. I don't eat off the floor. That's not true. I occasionally eat off the Why floor. Yeah. Five second rule. And, uh, yes. so that's you scratching your beard, by the way. I can tell oh, you. Oh, I'm know so that. sorry. Oh, that's right. But people should know David Keckner has a beard. I'm growing anyway, it for a, a role. Hey, oh, are you? Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, people should, uh, at David Keckner, by the way, at davidkechner.com. You're going to be doing stand up, uh, the first week of October at Helium in Portland. Portland Great Oregon, Club. Oregon. Great mm-hmm. club. And then the first week of November in Salt Lake City in Utah at 50 West Club. Mm-hmm. Is that just, uh, five, six and seven? Is that that a comedy club, Fifty West Club? I guess. Or is it uh, a theater? Because no, not a theater. I wish, it is. It's yeah. a, it's a yeah. straight stand-up club. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Now they've got two in Salt Lake. The it's Wise Guys, right? Yeah, isn't I, that, I do the Wise Guys. Isn't that? I thought that's what that was. Fifty no? West, maybe that's a because they used they have to two. have two. They have one out in the suburbs, and then right, one. They used to have Trolley Square, and they have one out in the suburbs. But maybe that's the subtitle of of, of one of Wise them. Guys. Yeah, maybe it's Wise Guys hashtag Fifty West. Club. I don't know. People can Google it and they just yeah. go and you guys Google it. I, I'm too lazy. I was the last time I was in Salt Lake City. So I went out to lunch in uh, at a Vietnamese sandwich place, and three different people told me I was in the.
the ghetto. And I said, I don't think you understand what that word means because right. it's hard to notice the ghetto through the thriving businesses that are all around. Right. Without any trash. No trash. It's a little spooky. It's, it's, I love you, Salt Lake City, but you make me uncomfortable mm-hmm. after day three. The first two days, I feel like I'm in a vat of warm rising bread dough, <laughs> which is Maria's <laughs> imagery. But, uh, the, uh, <laughs> but that third day, um, so, but the Wright brothers. Yes. Are, are you, uh, a fair amount into it? The David McCullough uh, book? I'm probably about 80 pages in, maybe 100. So is it start about their childhood and their, yes. and their family stuff? Yes. So this is just a straight bio. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then are you reading a W.C. Fields biography yes. too? Yes. Because I, I love W.C. Fields. I love him. He's, I, he's pretty great. William Claude. Um, What's the, but I don't know what, all I know about him is that he was rude and drunk and hilarious. That was a persona. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, his, his, you know. That was a character. Yeah. Well, he did wear a hat. That's he, all I ever want from a character. He was very, I wear hats. I didn't wear one today. He was very bright, very well read, but also un- undereducated. So he always, he could, he could uh, discourse on, on, uh, Ibsen. Okay. With the best of them. So, yeah. but, you know, there's not a thing, lot of formal education. Right. And so I also suffer from that same thing coming like your, your nephew from a, a, a not, not rigorous, Childhood education. <laughs> sure. Um, Very rural Missouri. Yeah. And so when you do get out in the world, you see how deep people go. And I think that's why I want to read so so much. You want to catch up. I want to catch up. I'm with you. Even I'm, though I'm almost 53, I still feel but, like. But the thing is, is you're just like, I have said it before. It is just like I... I I'm like, you can't out white trash me, you know? And, Same. You, I can out white trash you, but probably. But almost everyone, I mean, the thing is, is I spend so much of my time trying to rise above my own mm-hmm. roots. Same. Even though I have some connection with that very basic upbringing. That's who we well. are. Yeah. Yep. And Why are we running from it? Why don't we embrace it and go, this is something most of you don't know. Right. But I embrace it, but I also do not want to go back there mm-hmm. because there is a certain amount of foolishness. To, you know, like the people who celebrate their red nakedness. Yes. I'm like, I celebrate the work ethic I came from yes. and the poverty and the, and the, and the things that we did to make do, but I don't celebrate the foolishness. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hate black people because they're black. Right. I, the, I, I don't <laughs> embrace ignorance. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I want to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I do, and they're like my stepmother, she was a hairdresser and had an associate's degree and Read voraciously. Wow. And she was just, she, it was her, one of her favorite jokes is she was, was, uh, how does a Roman soldier order five beers? And then she would make the peace symbol. And, uh, ah, nice. Yeah, it's a nice one. And yeah. she said, it's a nice way to figure out if anybody likes knowledge or don't. Wow. And, uh, she was smarter than the average bear for, mm-hmm. but was not raised. She would just read a lot. Yeah. And she didn't read a lot of nonfiction. She read a lot of historical fiction. I love it. Oh, historical fiction. And she those read, are, those are fascinating too. Right. Depends on the amount of research, but you get some information from all of it. It puts you inside of it and lets you live the era and understand the, all of the parameters of what's going on culturally, socially, Gives uh, you more empathy politically. than a yes. lot of things. Yes. It lets you view the world, uh, from the top down or from the bottom up. Yep. Yeah, which is a better way to actually learn about an era if you go if you travel with a person yeah. rather than just the facts which they give us. We've just discovered a new way to teach folks, which is you really should read very good historical fiction, right? Because it puts you in that time and place where you see it, feel it, hear it, smell it, Even live it. Even if you it. read shitty historical fiction, mm-hmm. which I have done both, yeah, uh, at least you, it puts you in the time and the place. Yeah, because if you read from a soldier's point of view, that would give you the entire geopolitical. Uh, 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 history of history of that era. <laughs> right. I was, I was trying to remember there was a, uh, I, I had it. 
And if anyone remembers this, email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com. But I can't, cause I can't, I don't, I think I gave away the book, but it was a mystery novel set, uh, in the Napoleonic era. Wow. And the guy who solved the murder was, uh, a soul, uh, a French soldier. And it was a French writer, but he wrote in English, I think. And, um, it was written, from the they're marching towards Russia. Wow! Somebody, so you're in the soldier's boots, right? You're in the soldier's boots, but it's also a mystery novel, and he is trying to figure out who and it. You know, it could be some nobleman who just killed this, and he's a serial killer because he keeps killing whores wow. as they go through different, um, as they go through different. And he's like, well, that's fascinating from yeah. a social. Uh, political economic uh, yeah. uh, uh, and, perspective because first of all was he in, was he conscripted it was uh this guy is sort was he of a volunteer like, well it's napoleon so he's one of the new bourgeois right so he's he's a, a but this guy's a, a soldier but he's a soldier he is a volunteer he's, he's yeah but he's a he's an officer but he's middle ah. class he's part of the new middle class that napoleon created you tell the same story from uh, a conscripted soldier and then it, it it causes less war in the future if that's a, a book that children have to read early because they realize that this person's choice has been taken away and how valuable it is to keep make sure you always have a choice and right. so you'd always vote vote because Otherwise, you might allow the draft to come back for an imperialistic war that shouldn't happen in the first place to protect multinational interests. I don't have opinions. Right. It turns out David Kickner's director might also be politics. <laughs> <laughs> I was a poli-sci major. Me too. Hey, oh, really? how about you, that? Where'd you go to college? I went to a small Catholic college in Atchison, Kansas called Benedictine College. Okay. I was conscripted because my parents said you have to go there. Oh, that's For it. two years. That's your only choice for college. Okay. It had a familial background story to why okay. we, I had to go there. Your then people I could, went there. Well, my mother's brother was the abbot of the monastery. My mother and her family, very, very Catholic. Mm -hmm. Out of 11 children, there were two priests and two nuns out of that oh my God. particular clan. Yeah. yeah. So I had to go there. And her sisters had gone there and um, her brothers. So that was it. And then I could go anywhere I wanted after that. Okay. So you went to two years there. Mm -hmm. and then, then I went to the University of Missouri for a year and change and realized I didn't. Did you complete your degree? I did, but only because my sister, it turns out, is the boss of me. Ah. She insisted. Yes. It's more of a philosophy degree, and I would have continued, but I realized I don't want to be a politician anymore. That's right. what I first thought I was going I to do. I wanted to be a lawyer. Is that, yeah. See, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. Yeah. And I didn't want to, I knew I wasn't going to make, I wasn't going to make the grade in politics. Yeah. Because you either have to be wealthy mm -hmm. or from a political family or the smartest person in, in the room. In the room. Of yeah. any room you walk into, any that's room. what qualifies you to be a politician. Yeah. And too bad that it's usually not the third thing, which is the smartest <laughs> person in the room. Which is nice. So I realized that I'm not going to do that. And I kind of quit going to my classes. Yeah. Not kind of. I did. And you I was stopped. like, oh, I don't know. But that is what propelled me to go to Chicago, visit, see the second city, see that they taught classes. Like, oh, that's how a person becomes that thing. I had oh, no, no idea how you pursue a life. And that's of, how you got into a sketch yeah. comedy and stand up mm -hmm. and all. And, I didn't only really started doing stand up five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Jesus, dude. Nice work. Well, thank you. But I mean, yeah. I've done live forever. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you started out on yeah. sort of second base yeah. at least because exactly. you, you had performance skills and, right. And, right. and comedy. Skills. Maybe third base. But you might have started open up board on third. And but the nice. uh, so you did Second City. Did Second City in a place called the I.O. At the oh. time, it was called the Improv Olympic. Now yeah. it's just called I.O. Yep. That's where I, I started the I.O. and then uh, took classes concurrently at the Second City. Okay. And so I had the, the luxury of being in class four or five hours a week, and they would take additional workshops with people who just start doing workshops, sometimes yep. for free. There's that phone There's we were talking about earlier. There's that phone we were going to talk about. Tell and the so story. I'm going to tell the story. Up. 
You know, we're fascinated to find out who's calling today. But uh, so I, I was taking classes all the time, and I say tell this story all the time about the 10,000 hours theory and how I was able to collect many hours on stage because I was taking a lot of classes. And this is before there were multiple levels of class. Oh. Uh, and nowadays so I – So it was all I, just one big class? Well, you'd have maybe three levels. Oh. Now they have 12. So by the time oh, you wow. actually get good stage time now – it takes a year or two, two years. I was on stage in eight weeks. And ironically, I think there are probably a lot of gifted, talented people that are not going to go through a system because it's, either it's too big, it's too, big, uh, so it's it's too, too expensive. expensive. And so you won't see these bright lights of yeah. comedy because of the way the irony of the success yeah. of people that came when I was there. Yeah. Specifically, there, I was there for nine years. I was there with Corel Colbert, uh, Nancy Walls, uh, Brian wow. Stack, Conan Ryder, Kevin Dorff, Conan Ryder. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome, right? She's awesome. Um, uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Horatio Sands, Rachel Dratch, Andy, uh, Andy Richter, John Glazer, Adam McKay, Brian McCann, uh, the, uh, Chris Farley, all of my guys in Beer Shark Mice. It, it's yeah, yeah. a who's who of people, right. but their success from these institutions then engulfed these institutions with a wealth of students, which right. is where they really earn the money. Yeah. The classes. The classes pay and, the bills. Uh-huh. And now the irony is you can't get through them. Yeah, because it's too expensive. You can't get to the stage. It is so hard now because of the way things are sort of institutionalized. There's a lot of stand-up classes and there's a lot of sketch classes. Stand-up and classes. Stand-up classes. I don't, I, you know, back in the, back when I first started doing stand-up, there was mm-hmm. a lot and for many years, uh, 20 years, there's been people who've, and you can do stand up without classes. Right. You can go to a thousand open mics right. and learn it that way. If, if, but if you need a stand up class to get on stage, I don't have a problem with that. I don't either because, and I, I know there's a strong argument against it because yeah. it might just be someone who's, because it feels gougy. Yes. And it might just be somebody who, who, who can't make a living doing it, but then invites people to, uh, learn. And I would say the upside of that is at least they're participating in art and probably by having a class in stand up, somebody might go to the theater yes. or might go to a class or take on a risk that they wouldn't have done without that thing. That's and a, so it really does inform the populace. Right. It informs the populace. And, it, but it also, I mean, there were the best people to teach stand up, in my opinion, are people who are not good at it mm-hmm. because not, not good at it, but no, I, mean, I understand what but, you're saying. Uh, but, but if, because what you do is you encourage people, you give them very basic skills, mm-hmm. and 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 when they see you do stand-up to some extent, they can go, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. Right, and if they're that open. If, yeah. if, if a person that is teaching the class doesn't try to snuff out talent, because you right. see that too. You have teachers That's... who are jealous of someone else's yes. gift. It goes back, what's that movie? Uh, uh, I don't know, The Drumming? Uh, who's no. <laughs> jealous of Beethoven? Oh, right, Amadeus. You know. Yeah, Amadeus. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, um, yeah, that and that can happen in any business. Yes, right. Where a, a person yeah. doesn't like a, a, a mediocre talent that recognizes right. great talent wants it to fail. Right. Just be psyched. You recognize it and celebrate it. Right. Right. The yeah, and so, you nurture it. That's right. your thing. And, and if somebody's telling you. What kind of stand-up to write? Right. Don't That's, take that advice. Right. Just, just because you have to write what you write. You yeah. write. Sh- everyone writes poorly in the beginning. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to be done about it. Right. I had an amazing bit about how Batman and Robin might be gay. Mm-hmm. It was one of my first bits. I don't know because of the poll. Anyway, uh, nice. but I moved on. And uh, but you gotta. I mean, you have gotta to write somewhere. those jokes. Yeah. And everyone writes bodily function stuff, yep. and they write. Just crap, and eventually you Aristotle find Aristotle wrote it. Come on. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so eventually you find stuff that's very much your own, mm-hmm. and that's the stuff that really shines. Right. And Whatever's funny to you, then then you, the audience agrees with you. Like, okay. Yep. Now we're then you just keep writing. Yeah, just keep. Uh, yeah, and not always stealing. Keep writing. Don't. Yeah, and don't steal because there's no point to it. There's no point. You'll be found out, yeah. and then. And it's just it's 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 not that it's lazy because it actually takes more work to steal from mm-hmm. other people. It's genuinely you're you're you're. You're hurting yourself because there's 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 good stuff in everybody. Right. There's there's amazing work inside of you. You don't have to steal. Screw it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's uh Tom Popper right now has the greatest premise in the world that I accidentally did. I just said it out loud on stage one time, and then I had to call him and go, "Hey, I did half your new joke, and I'm so sorry." And he goes, "So did you know it before you did it, or you realized after?" In mid sentence, uh-huh. and then I. The premise is the greatest premise ever, and what he said on stage was TomPapa.com. And uh, he said that his wife was crazy, Mm -hmm. and she was crazy because that is the job of him and his children is to drive her crazy, Uh and because all mothers are crazy. And my premise is is that my mother is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's the same fucking premise. I can't do it. Anyway, is is that... I would always think how crazy my stepmother was. But the reason she was crazy was because she was crazy. She had been driven mad. Mm-hmm. And um Tom Papa's theory was that his, his wife is the only person in their house who wakes up knowing that there's work to do. Everyone else wakes up. And so she's the only one who wakes up going, well, we got to eat and we got to get the kids to school and we got to. Put your shoes on. And so by the time that she is fully awake, she's yelling. Uh-huh. And everyone is going. Well, we just woke up. Right. Why are you already yelling? Why, she's already, yeah. yeah she, she's he, 10 miles down the road. Right. And she's like, someone has to care. And Tom is like, so him and his kids just roll their eyes at each other as she goes mad. And, uh, and it's the greatest premise in the world. And I wish I could. But uh, what was your bit? My, my bit was about how it, it took me so long to, to appreciate the fact that the reason my mother was crazy was because we had driven her mad. I, I think there's there's plenty of ways to slice that same premise, That's though. It doesn't sound like said. you're... Yeah. yeah. T- Tom said, you know, just find a different way to to get into it, yeah. and then you're fine. Yeah. And uh, so I haven't yet found a place. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I loved that. It was a freaking epiphany when he said it out loud. Mm-hmm. That's great comedy. Yeah. That's great comedy. Yeah. When, is when you... The, you, know, you, hope you yeah, things fire in people, other people's synapses while you were talking. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun mm-hmm. of it. So you don't just read. I'm, for the love of God, let us talk to David. Okay. Kemmer. So what about the Johnny Rotten bio? I that was given to me for free, and so I started. I read the first chapter. He's a musical person. Yes. Right? He, yeah. Johnny Rotten <laughs> was with the Sex Pistols. There we go. And then Public Image Limited. Okay. Uh, I think the name of the book is Rise, which okay. is Public Im- Image Limited's uh, most probably most famous song okay which is uh anchorage in energy uh you may be wrong you but which by the way uh oddly enough coincidentally enough i saw they're going back on tour P. oh I really uh-huh. oh that's hilarious yeah 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 uh so i started that one because it was given to me i'm like i'll start reading this now yeah i think i was given to me at a radio station so i went back to my room at the hotel when i was touring and yep. started reading it and then I put that down, right. and then just more stuff to carry around. And, and what else? What was else on did there? you pick up? Story by Robert McKee. Well, that's one you you know if you're if you're going to write a screenplay. Oh, yeah. It's oh, it's a it's a learning one. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of neat mm-hmm. though. And is it good? It's great. 
and you're listening to the War of Art. Right. Anytime you're stuck, I would suggest it, uh, uh, Pressman. It's basically get stop. Stephen the, Pressfield. Yeah, Pressfield. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. I think there might be another one by another guy that I'm reading, Cole Pressman, but Pressfield, yeah, he's a prolific writer. Okay. And, uh, I agree with his premise of, you you know, your em- en- enemy is resistance, so don't resist it. Uh, it's like, you, you know. Just the art? Just let it go or? Well, we all, when we don't do something, you have a resistance. And I think the, the lower, the, the deeper premise to that thing is whatever you're resisting gives you some anxiety. So don't have it. Cause anxiety doesn't ex- exist if you don't create it. Okay. It might, I don't know, some of it's real yeah. for some people because there might have been a trauma and I'm not suggesting that that's not real. No, no, but, but, but if you can process it correctly. Yes. Which is, uh, easier to say than do, mm-hmm. obviously. But if you can, you can get rid of anxiety just because of how. Well, he does. That's not his premise necessarily, but that's where I go to with the 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 the, uh, the war of art, uh, not the art of yeah. war, the war of art, because you know, just whenever you feel resistance, and we have it all day long. Yeah. You need to find out what that is and just open it up. Yeah. And get past that. That'll be awesome. Don't resist. Because you're standing in your own way to some yes. extent. Yeah. Which I argue in show business, there's only one person standing in your way and it is you. Because there's many times in show business, people are like, well, that guy got my job or that girl got my job or no one got your job. No one got your, no one got your job. Yeah. You didn't get the job because of you. Right. And there's the other work. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about it. And uh, all you can do is keep doing what you do. Right. And th- now, how does that fit into my theory? My theory is all you can do is do what you do mm-hmm. as well as you can do it and then sort of do the next indicated action. Mm-hmm. But if you don't ever get the job that you wanted, to some extent, I think, and this sounds a little hippy skippy, but I'm like, I, I don't think that I was meant to get that job. I agree with that. And it doesn't matter. I, I agree mean, with that. As long as I can let go to the point yes. where I'm like, well, I'm maybe I'm not meant to have that gig. Right. I have this other gig. Plus, and, it's, it's already over. Yeah. Why are, we, why are we focusing on that? Right. Life has already moved ahead. Right. So do the next thing. Do the next thing. You're already yeah. doing it. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, there's my my wife uh, is is uh getting her masters in spiritual psychology. So often there's a plenty of those books lying around and, and mm-hmm. discussions to be had about you know, uh, there's an idea that who you are right now this second is not the same you that was there 2 seconds ago. Right. So you're always someone new and you're always linked to a different power and there's a, there's a center of you that's always a higher relevance because your your body just changed because you're dying. We're okay. all dying. Oh, right, right. We're all growing and dying yeah. and all of that stuff. Yep. But there's something that's a piece of God that lives or, or whatever divinity yeah. you choose to make it. The energy that you came from yep. is always there. It was always that high seat part of you. Mm-hmm. And that's what she should focus on. Not like, uh, do I need to get my hair cut? Should I buy these clothes? Why didn't I get that job? Right. When you think about that instance and how, how whatever this universe that we've been granted to be partaking in yeah. is a higher seat that we should be seeking anyway. Yeah. And not, you know, so focus on, be on beheading of, people. Yeah. Right. So you focus on like sort of your high whatever your higher power is. Yeah. Or your God or whatever. Right. And 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 not worry about sort of Oh, wait a minute. I, I read this in the Bible one time. It's like, is the, the, the God will take care of the, even the, even the sparrow in the field or some damn thing. There's those, uh, there's all of those, which yeah. is, um, um, Just, there's some quote of, uh, you know. I'm a lily. I'm a lily of the field. That's it. Cause it's a Frank Capra c- a quote from, uh, <laughs> from, uh, you can't take it with you. Ah. Which is a Frank Capra. It's a, it, uh, who was in It's a Wonderful Life? Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, it nice. was a, so it's a Jimmy Stewart movie with mm-hmm. Frank Capper as well. And, um, it is a great movie. It's one of, it's one of the, it's a great play, mm-hmm. but it's one of uh, my favorite movies. Well, anyway, the point being yeah. like your point, which was you can only do what you do. 
Yeah. And nothing, it doesn't matter about whether or not someone else did. Right. It's, it's happening for you right now. So go ahead and participate in it rather than look back. Right. And, and worry about what you could have done you, differently. Worry doesn't exist unless we create it. It's, right. As well. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting because, uh, Andy doesn't have any of that training, but he kind of lives in the moment anyway. And he doesn't, he, like, I'm constantly worried about money. And I'm constantly, and which if is you dumb. worry about money, yeah, it brings more worry. Right. It, and that's that thing. And I know people go, what are you guys talking about? But money's an idea at the same time. Money's yeah. an idea. Right. It's Don't not, forget to donate, guys. Money, but, but yeah. money doesn't exist. Okay. Ownership it's just doesn't. just an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Ownership doesn't exist. Right. It's an agreement we all make that yes, that person owns that building mm-hmm. or that boss owns my labor. Right. Those are all ideas. Mm-hmm. And really that, 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 that shouldn't. It's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. Which is Andy's motto. <laughs> Andy Ashcraft goes through life going, no, I'm just kidding. Cause his, when he was a kid, his dad told him, uh, never work for a living. Eventually they'll pay you to do what you like to do anyway. That's perfect. And uh, mm-hmm. so, and you know what his father did until he died, which was uh, he trained bird dogs for field trials wow. from horseback. And you're like, well, that is the coolest weirdo job in the world. And yeah. he fell into it. And he probably yeah. enjoyed it. And, and he enjoyed it. Yeah. it before that, he was a, a navigator uh, for United Airlines. Wow. And he just fell into that. Yeah. And, and you, it's not about accumulating yeah. things because someone's going to be, you know, say if you accumulate palaces with whorehouses that, that, that are surrounded by ponds, yes. it doesn't matter because some smart-ass comics are going to be staying at it eventually right. anyway, mocking your existence. Exactly. I'm going to hit golf balls into your pond anyway. Did you? So, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Super fun. Anyway, uh, David Kickner, it has been an hour. I could talk to you for another hour. Is there anything? Is there, what, What's your favorite book that you've read in the last year or so that you um. might recommend that any of these that you'd, you'd recommend people get on? I mean, the War of Art, obviously. I'm, I'm going to actually get the audio because I do love it's, an audio. I love, yeah, because you can listen to it at any it's any nice. time. It's soothing. Yeah, uh, I'm enjoying the Wright Brothers book. Um, you know what book I want to read and I'm fascinated by is the Nixon that? book. Uh, it's about him, uh, Nixon versus the world or something like that. I can't oh, believe wow. it's on the not on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, I watched that documentary. Uh, um, about, about Nixon. Oh, about Nixon. The uh, Nixon Frost. The Nixon thing? tapes. Oh, the Nixon tapes. Oh, they they just they showed that. Okay. Yeah, it's fascinating what the man was going through in his president of the United States, and yeah. it's 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 mind blowing that this guy was in charge of things. Was he related to somebody famous? Did he have who, a lot who, of money, or was he the smartest man in the room? Smartest man in the room. Smartest. Nixon was a very bright man. Yeah, All and right. very 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 um, I won't say conniving, but um, just shrewd. Shrewd. Thank you. Clever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair and enough. paranoid. And paranoid is all hell. I uh I remember uh because my poli sci degree, mm-hmm. Southeast Asian studies. Wow. For I, no I was, particular reason I was, except for that I had a friend who was Indonesian. I was always fascinated with Vietnam, <laughs> right? And the Vietnam War, and like, yeah. why did we do it? Right. But we really believed in the Red Scare. Yep. And that that Russia, if we if, if Vietnam fell, it was all going to go. That like they we thought that was the linchpin. Well, everyone believe. I mean, it's it's the way they scare you into the next thing. They're yeah. like, if you allow gay marriage, people are going to marry their cats. Right. And, uh, and so I, I, I you know, I, you, you, not to get into politics, but you had to appreciate the restraint of going into Iraq again now with this horrible scourge that is ISIS, because you don't want to get drunk. We've been fighting over there for twenty yep. fucking years. Yep. What did we do? Uh, we we killed a lot of people. Killed a lot of people, and that guy, who was our our ally and was a horrible, horrible mm-hmm. person, Saddam Hussein, mm-hmm. 
uh, is now gone. And but now there's worse. It's Hydra. It's now there's essentially worse. now there's a million yeah. of them. We had an opportunity after 9-11, and Noam Chomsky talks about yeah. this, saying that had we made it a police action to find one man who did the bad deed, which is Osama bin Laden, mm-hmm. the world would have joined us. They were all on our side at that point. Right. But we went no. into Afghanistan. If with we made the a bat, police action, everyone, I even we're just going to find one guy. We're not going after everybody. Yeah. I even supported going into Afghanistan at the Afghanistan, time. yes. I believed and, in that as well. And then I was like, and now get out. Now we got a two-front war. And then I read Flashman. Did you ever read huh. Flashman? George huh. McDonald? <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the darkest... Don't, don't give me a book. Okay. I will not give you a book, but... Uh, People have, uh, I've talked about Flashman. Jackie before. just pointed to a book on her bookshelf. Yeah, have don't you do read, it. Have you read Flashman? <laughs> like, you know, I, she's it. either going to give me a t-shirt or a book to take home. I'm definitely giving you a t-shirt. Uh, everyone, I can, I've already read the t-shirt. I can read that entire thing with one glance. That's beautiful. Except yeah. for that, the bottom of that dark forest, that, uh, that's elvish. It's what Aragorn says when he finds the white tree at the end of the, uh, Re- Return of the King. That's a Brett, uh, Brett Chambers, that was fan art, that Dork Forest logo. Nice. And then the the black one, that's the Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt that has dorky things coming out of it that my nephew did. And, nice. uh, and Andy designed the Spooky Reading Girl t-shirt. But you get to pick one. David Keckner, you guys, go out and see one of his movies. Go see his stand-up at Portland, Oregon. Follow him on Twitter at David Keckner. And uh, thanks for listening. And you know the rules. Take care of each other. Right on. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?